We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. What is it, 16th of June, just past the uh, halfway stage in the month. And it's actually Bloom's Day today, which um, might not have huge significance here in Kilkenny, but for, for me being a dub, it's one of these things that I always kind of notice when it comes around every single year. Um, I did actually manage to get around to trying to read Ulysses once upon a time, so and we do have a copy at home, so I must try and read it again. But it's something that I think it's one of these books that when you do hear read uh, and read well, it makes an amazing difference and it makes a huge, uh, makes a brilliant experience out of listening to it rather than trying to read it and get into it over the on the page, which can be a bit difficult apparently. Anyway, we're not talking about literature all day today, although I will have later on in the show Una Healy, who's a graphic artist and an author, and uh, she's done a book called Fattening the Curves, um, the pun, of course, uh, very obvious there, on uh, flattening the curve from the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, Una uh, wrote, she's given that she's a graphic artist skill, she did a lovely little book, and she's using it as a fundraiser for St. Francis Hospice in Dublin. So we'll be chatting to Una uh, later on. A couple of other things we may or may not get to in the middle of the show, but without further ado, I'm delighted to be joined. Um, actually, I'm only on my third programme back in studio after a long absence doing the show from what I used to call, affectionately called the Raidstown Studio. Uh, but now back here in studio, this is my third programme back. And uh, my very first live guest here in studio in sitting in front of me for quite a long time, um, very appropriately, and I'm delighted to have uh, Councillor Andrew McGuinness, uh, newly elected Coherlock of Kilkenny County Council. And uh, welcome and congratulations, Andrew. Thanks very much. I think uh, it's very auspicious that you're my first live guest. In it's, it's, it's great to be your first live guest and it's great that you're back in here and uh, things are easing back towards uh, normality again. Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, there's probably a distance left to go in, in all of that, but uh, we're getting there slowly but surely. Yeah. And I know that was something um, that you know, our, our own colleague Anne Nolan here was down in at the uh, council meeting there last Friday where you were formally elected and... Um, you know, she did make note of the fact that you had mentioned, kind of remembering in your um, your kind of acceptance speech, I presume it is, was that uh, the the importance of the healthcare system and the sterling work that everybody had been doing um, locally here in the yeah, absolutely in the last few weeks and months and and all of that. And and one thing you did mention, which I didn't know anyway, and I don't know how many of the listeners know, is that um, the the very now very famous um, Chief Medical Officer Tony Holohan is actually a Kilkenny man. Well, you know what? I I stand to be corrected on that. Oh, really? Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I stand to be corrected. I was told just before the meeting that uh, he was a Kilkenny native, and I mentioned that in my speech, and when I listened back to my speech later, I, I... 
I thought, when I, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that. I should have fact-checked that first. Oh. Um, and so maybe one of your listeners might correct me uh, or, or agree with me. Um, we leave it up to them to decide. But uh, I was told that he was, uh, he has, he's either a Kilkenny native or has a, fam- a strong family connection to Kilkenny. Yeah, sure, uh, we could claim him anyway. So Why not? I, I don't, I don't, I think, we, yeah, it's, it's important that we claim these things, but <laughs> I think it's also important that when you're wrong, you put your hands up and say it. <laughs> yeah, well, look, if that was the only mistake that any of us are ever going to make, as a minor enough one, and I'm sure um, said Tony Hullon wouldn't mind being yeah. claimed as a Kilkenny native, um, there could be a lot worse places that could claim ownership of you. Yeah, but he has done a fantastic job um, and I mean a very difficult job it can't be easy to come out there every day with especially at the start of all of this with uh, shocking news um, that heartbreaking news uh, and to deliver it every day but also to deliver the 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 fantastic health advice uh, that he ha- he has been doing, mm. so uh, mm. I commend him mm. for that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty. I suppose when we when the health system has time to draw breath, there'll be plenty to look back on, and even one of the small pieces of detail like that. It seems looking in it from just from headline figures and stuff from the outside outside that Kilkenny even seems to have dispro- slightly disproportionately higher number of cases of COVID-19 mm. than the surrounding counties, even like Tipperary, Carlow yeah. in particular, very low, Wexford very low, yeah. Waterford very low, which is much higher population yeah. and a big city. Um, I think it would be great for us after this. I don't expect it now or during the crisis because there are far bigger things to deal with. But I think after all of this, when we go look back and, and analyse uh, the figures, for us to have a breakdown and to know, I mean, I post the figures every day on Facebook um, and I get asked all sorts of questions like, uh, you know, would some of those figures actually come from neighbouring counties because St. Luke's Hospital would service Carlow and things like that. Um, and I, generally, I, I don't know. It, it could be a case where some get mixed up. Yeah. Um, there have been mistakes in the figures yeah. as we went yeah. along. And it would be nice to be able to look back and analyse it uh, and see uh, exactly where we went wrong. Um, and to address that. Yeah, and as, as you say, it may well be that just the, the devil, is, as often is, the devil is in the detail and the headline statistics paint a somewhat misleading picture. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, the, but until there's time to really delve into it in detail, we probably won't get that sort of insight that yeah. you, you mentioned there. It might it might take a while. But as I say, there's prob- probably some valuable lessons to be, to be learned and uh, to be drawn from how uh, the county in general has managed it. Uh, and, and by and large, it seems to be We've done quite well. Very tragic deaths of two people. Obviously, the staff in St. Luke's and yeah, and um, people you know in healthcare, healthcare workers and frontline workers. And I mentioned in my speech, I, I named everybody from you know hospital staff, guardy, refuse collectors, supermarket cashiers. Everybody has played a vital part in. Uh, keeping us safe and providing us with uh, our necessities and services that we need. And they are all frontline workers and they have risked their own health um, to protect everybody else's and it needs to be acknowledged and respected all of the time. Yeah, yeah. Just moving on then to a couple of other notes or kind of highlights, I think, from your acceptance speech last um, Friday, Andrew. um, I think it was nice that you you made a point of uh, thanking the the Watergate Theatre because... uh, they obviously, Joanna Cunningham and her staff there obviously facilitated or have been uh, facilitating the council to to have that uh, the meetings of the of the council over the last 
um, short while and might have been a bit difficult to have without the, the resource that was mm. there and indeed the staff of the council for getting it together with the, the Watergate Theatre and you know, of course you're quite familiar with being on stage in the Watergate anyway um, a couple of times, a couple <laughs> of times. <laughs> and I think you mentioned that there, you, you hoped to be involved in, in, in more, uh, less political and uh, less administrative, but more musical performance there again before terribly long. Yeah, I think um, like facilities like the Watergate, community-based facilities are, in my view, so important now, more, more so than ever, because people are... are taking a different approach to life I think I think we've all become very uh, grateful we've become very humbled and um, you know the likes of the Watergate that provides artists and performers with a, a platform to display their talents uh, to entertain all of us is, is vital I think mm. um, and often used to raise money for charity um, and when you have the current crisis that we have now you tend to forget that um, there are other causes that really need our, our assistance I mean such as uh, Relay for Life um, raising funds for, for uh, cancer research and so on um, I mean they have had to cancel all of their events mm, so yeah. I thought the, an idea would be when you see most of my friends are musicians and they're all doing these live streaming events from their homes and so on why not do it from the stage in the Watergate where it's the space is there for social distancing and um, you know the, the lighting and the professionalism is all there so we're going to have the Kilkenny's uh, are going to perform a live streaming event in the from the Watergate uh, Sunday week um, and all of the there'll be a donation um, set up where people can donate via text or whatever GoFundMe mm. for Relay for Life um, to raise money for them um, and all of those details are going to be announced I think either today or tomorrow but it is definitely happening on Sunday week okay, so, th so that'll be able to be streamed uh, video and sound from live from the Watergate absolutely Sunday, yeah. which is the 28th the 28th, 28th I think, is it, it is yeah, yeah. Is, I know that yeah <laughs> Um, so, no, so that'll, that'll be a fascinating uh, event to see. Um, so people yeah. will be able to probably check in watergate.com. They'll be able to check in, website, I suppose. It can be streamed, it will be streamed on multiple pl platforms, the Kilkenny's Facebook page, the Watergate's Facebook page. I'm sure Relay for Life will have it up on their page. So mm. everyone is on social media at the moment. It's It seems to be everyone's source of entertainment uh, and socialising. Yeah. Um, since the start of this lockdown, you know? If they're not actually doing um, Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Google Hangouts or yeah, whatever else. We've uh, all had to learn new, yeah. new things. How are you with that sort of technology anyway? Um, I suppose the same as most others, getting used to it and having to get used to it. I've been at, uh, we've had council meetings that have been held via conference call, which I find, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit awkward. Um, I've had, uh, I'm on the Southern Regional Assembly and we've had Zoom calls for that. Um, you know, we've been using all of these things. And now in our office, I would have done clinics every week. I've lo I love doing clinics. My dad loves doing clinics. You meet people face to face and you get a real understanding as to what's going on. But we can't do it at the moment. So we're going to bring in, uh, we're doing over the phone appointments. We're doing Zoom appointments if it's a residence committee or something like that. So everybody is having to adapt. Um, it has its pros and cons. The pros obviously being you can do it from your own home, uh, but the cons, it's just it, nothing ever replaces that face-to-face yeah. -face interaction. Particularly for the clinic kind of situation, I can imagine I mean, you'd know way better than your dad would know way better than I would that 
I'm sure you've got situations where people are coming in and it's something quite delicate that they really want to talk to you about yeah. and do, trying to do that maybe over a teleconference or a phone call or even it's, when it's you can hard. see the person's face it just probably doesn't have yeah. the same connection with them and even I mean we we have been very lucky with the weather since the start of lockdown we've had unbelievable weather and in the last couple of weeks we've had a couple of meetings out in at the front of our office where everyone is standing two metres apart and we're almost shouting at each other to you know get you try and understand <laughs> what's going on we wouldn't want to be doing anything too confidential in no, that sort of a situation no. um, just moving on then I suppose more the, some of the more substantive stuff that you mentioned uh, Andrew uh, during your acceptance speech last Friday I think you're good as well as I have a note saying that you're, you had mentioned words to this effect that the council was going to have to be making some hard decisions throughout the year and I suppose that's fairly obvious given the kind of financial disruption that the, the council's finances must be experiencing because of the pandemic mm -hmm. um, how, how do you see that panning out or is there even a, a sense now with from the you're getting from the executive um, as to what the size of the hole in the council's finances is going to be oh you're, you're talking millions um, I don't have the exact figure with me here now but you're talking millions and we've lost obviously all our revenue from uh, a lot of our revenue from rates and from parking charges and, and so on and uh, having to uh, assist people through housing and things like that that we've never had to do before. It's just an extraordinary level of uh, debt that, that or, or income that we've lost and, and built up a, a debt. So, I mean, deci tough decisions will have to be made, but what I the point I was trying to make in, in my, my speech is that people have every household and business in the city and county has had a massive impact because of this. Mm. They have sacrificed and lost enough. And I would hate to be part of a council that would inflict further burden uh, on them in these circumstances. And I think that what we need to do is we need to look at projects. Uh, we're always very ambitious in Kilkenny with our projects. We need to look at what we have in the pipeline and um, the amount of money that we're spending on these projects. Uh, and park what we don't need right now, things that we might be able to come back to in a few years to come. I think people will thank us for that rather than, you know, um, forcing a situation mm. where we're increasing charges and, and taxes mm. on people. So, like so it kind of sounds like that from that that um, thing, things like you know hous housing development or housing refurbishments and stuff like that would be something you'd prefer not to have to uh, wield the knife to, whereas there there may be more optional or discretionary projects that think perhaps might yeah. be deferred or for want of a different phrase vanity projects uh, uh, you know the lo the fancy stuff the luxurious well, what stuff what would you regard as a vanity project now that's kind of currently on the books can you give us an example of one even one that's been completed just so we get a, a sense of yeah, how you, you're thinking on that I, I would be more inclined to not spend uh, an absolute fortune on you know tourism projects I, I, I don't want to, I don't mean to hit at tourism but um, refurbishing public buildings and things like that um, that we don't need to do straight away um, you know housing is something that we can't in my view I don't think we can touch that that, that should be protected mm. at all costs uh, everything that we can to help uh help sustain local business should be done um, you know I, I don't want to specifically say name a project and say I don't think we should do that mm -hmm. yet mm -hmm. but there are there are projects there um, that we would have discussed that may not need to be done this year or next year and that can be parked uh, sometimes you have to apply for funding for specific projects 
Um, and I, I mentioned, I suppose, the refurbishment of City Hall and things like that, where we would get substantial funding from uh, Board Falsha and we might get, um, they might say you need to match that funding, but they might extend the length of time it would take to come up with that funding. So rather than jumping into it straight away um, and looking for millions of euros to do it now, we might be able to say, well, let's come back to that in two years' time and we'll do it then. And instead of doing that, we'll, you know, um, try and do something to promote local business and, and help people that are mm. uh, f- suddenly find themselves in bad housing situations and things yeah, like that. But, and there may be, yeah, so that's that, that kind of thing that... that um, isn't really going to cause any kind of knock-on harm. It's yeah, nice to have, if you like, a refurbished um, city hall. And, Absolutely, um, yeah. But, but maybe not essential, and nobody's going to be going to really get entirely upset if and it wasn't done in yeah, the next Yeah, and I don't years. mean to single out that yeah. project, no, and I'm not okay. saying that I would shoot it down. I'm just uh, I'm using it as an example. If, yeah. if there's... Yeah, if the money is shorter and not as, as much there as, as you might have hoped at the start of the year, well, then obviously some priorities have to take over. Absolutely. And yeah. there are, I presume, some things that the council is contractually committed to that have to be continued on. Otherwise, there'll be yeah. penalties and contracts and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. and other things that mightn't have started yet that might have been on the list. Um, uh, I suppose, are there what are, like, things like, are there kind of some local roads projects and things that could be also in that... There could be, that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but what we're going to have to do is yeah. we're, we're going to have to redo the 2020 budget, for example. Um, relook at everything that we, we decided on that. And that's a daunting um, exercise in itself because I suppose as, as whip of the Fianna Fáil group, I w- would have played a, a big part in the last budget. And it was tough going. I mean, you're looking mm-hmm. at figures and you're trying to take money from one project and put it into the other and try and spread it around so much that you're, you're getting everything done but now we're going to have to relook at that all over again uh, and in, in a negative way yes i can hear i can hear the kind of the sense of oh d- deep breath being taken and having to dive into all that process again i tell you what if you're happy to stay with us andrew and it's lovely yep. to have you with us here today on uh, kilkenny today on community radio kilkenny city and we'll just take our first ad break of the show and uh, we'll we'll come back to the the chat in a few minutes time but uh, yeah, we'll stay with us anyway um, here on Kilkenny today. Delighted to have you with us, Andrew. And if any okay. listeners have any questions or comments, they can always text us in, of course, 086 353 We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. You're listening to Kilkenny Today with Morris O'Connor on Community Radio, KilkennyCity.ie. Welcome back to today's Kilkenny Today. Morris O'Connor with you, of course, as usual. And, of course, I forgot to thank Mick for the last three hours uh, before I came on of great music as usual. Thanks a million, Mick. And indeed, uh, thanks again to Mick for all the help he was to me when I was sitting at home doing the show from here. Um, now, moving on with today's show. And indeed, good morning to you if you're listening to the repeat in the morning. Lovely to have you with us one way or the other, either live or on the repeat on the Wednesday morning. And uh, my first guest, live guest back in studio, of course, as I mentioned before the break, is Councillor Andrew McGuinness, who's newly elected Cahirlach of Kilkenny County Council. Um, and we were talking, Andrew, before the break about, um, you know, the, the financial constraints that the, the pandemic has is uh, imposing on the council and how it's going to be the response to that. Um, there are some things, obviously, that are nearing completion, like the Butler Gallery due to open, I think, later than planned. But, you know, it's there and it's on the way. Um, Linear Park and the Skate Park, I think, are projects that a lot of people would have been looking forward to. Can we expect to see them go ahead? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, th- th- they're projects that have uh, all were already in the pipeline. Um, and the Butler Gallery will open in July. 
um, and the skateboard park and linear park they'll be open fairly soon as well um, I suppose towards the end of the summer um, I'm particularly looking forward to opening up the skateboard park because that's you know that's a long long time uh, coming and uh, a lot of generations of young skateboarders have missed out on the opportunity of having it it's something that I was campaigning for I think the, what probably one of the first things I ever spoke about in the council chamber when I started 17 years ago um, Fresh off of skateboards yourself, were you at the time? No, no, but I was always more uh, into, I suppose, the alternative um, sports uh, and music and things like that. And skateboarding is one of those sports that goes hand in hand with with music as well, you know. Yeah. Um, and even yeah, when I was organising, uh, I used to, I spent nine years organising music events for teenagers, and skateboarders were a big part of it. Um, and it, I think it's hugely important to be able to have. Uh, when you come from a GAA uh, county like Kilkenny, um, it's hugely important to have the alternative sports as well because sometimes that can get lost. Yeah, indeed, indeed it can. Um, so it'd be great to actually see both of those. I'm sure there'll be loads and loads of people um, looking forward to that. Um, so we, we can't expect to see you up on a skateboard for the opening. I presume that might be a bit too much to ask. But I think I'd be a bit over-ambitious if I tried that. <laughs> it's time to practice, so Andrew, if you really want to give it a shout. And uh, We had a texter in, actually, if I don't know, can you answer this or not? Uh, somebody was wondering what it might have cost to pave uh, and put the large flower bed in opposite the village inn. I have no idea oh, yeah. how much it costs to do that. Yeah. Um, but I can check it out for that person if they want to contact me. Uh, outside of this, off okay. the top of my head, I don't have the, wouldn't have those micromanaged figures, if you like. Fair enough. But anyway, that's it was, well, it's good you to offer to provide the figure for the, the texture if, if they do want to follow that up. And so I hope that answers the question. And thanks for texting in. And indeed, just to repeat, if anybody does have any questions or comments for uh, Councillor Andrew McGuinness, uh, Coherick of Kilkenny County Council now, 086-353-7782. Andrew, um, it's a year. You're, you're elected for you just launching into it now. It's a very strange one to be coming into and a, a very, probably a very, very challenging one. But <coughs> like... The obvious question that occurs to me is like, how much can you really expect to to get done or to to achieve or to try and achieve in a year? It's such a short time. Uh, really. Yeah, you're right. It's very difficult, and um, I mean, I, I'm lucky or fortunate enough to have already spent a year as mayor um, five years ago now, and it was challenging to get things done in twelve months. Um, you just have to. Uh, hit the ground running if you like and you have to spend a huge amount of time every day at it to try and get as much done as you possibly can uh, but it's not easy and you know you're not on your own and uh, there's 23 other members of the council and I mean uh, just because one of them is in the chair doesn't mean you know you, you still have the help and commitment from all of the others and there's a fantastic team mm. in County Hall um, so I mean, you just have to do your best, and and that's what I intend on doing. Yeah, and if you're if you're sitting here in a year's time, and hopefully you'll be able to. Come, well, we'll be talking to you probably plenty of times in the meantime. But in a year's time, and you're handing over uh, to to the next Coherlock, um, is there anything in particular that you'd like to be able to say? Well, look, I'm really glad that we did that together as a council, or that I was instrumental in you instrumental I, in driving. I think that the most important thing that that I can do uh, at the moment is. Um, I suppose we're coming out of a really, really difficult time, something that we have never witnessed, I have never witnessed before in my lifetime. And I think when you're in a kind of a leadership role uh, of, you know, like chair of the council or Cahirlock, 
I think it's really important to provide uh, positivity and um, to look forward to the things that we have uh, and to enhance the things that we have and to provide a little bit of leadership for people because it's very difficult for everybody um, and I think that that's really needed at a time like this. And Chris, your your diary, I know I was asking you outside, do you have somebody to manage your diary for you? Because I know from, you know, uh, having uh, interviewed your predecessor, Peter Chapclear, and we suppose we saw for Peter our congratulations uh, on his, on yep. leaving the role for the last year. And, I'm, and I know you did yourself last Friday. Um, you, you, uh, you know, the, the Cahirla and indeed the mayor, who's now, who's now John Coonan, seemed to kind of pop up with almost everything that's going on. Um, yeah. You know, the, as I say, the proverbial opening of an envelope um, around the, the city and the county. Um, but it, you're, you're, given the circumstances, I suppose you, you might be in, have, you'd be in the somewhat luxurious position of having a slightly quieter diary because there's so many things probably not happening because of the pandemic. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I, I don't, I wouldn't consider that luxurious. I, I mean, one of the things that I look forward to, or that I was looking forward to, about you know going into such a position is. Um, being involved, I love being involved. I love being out there. Um, I love attending the events, and it will be my view that when you get the opportunity to speak at events, that's where you really shine as as a as a um, public representative because you can use the opportunity to take the platform to promote, as I said, positivity, and um, to uh, help to lead people out of the crisis that we're in, uh, and to show what we have and what we have going on. Um, but unfortunately for the first couple of months I would imagine it's not going to be like that it's going to be very different um, but I'm up for the challenge and uh, Miles Kavanagh has, uh, has just sent us in a text as well saying that when you had the mayor's, mayor's ball it was sold out in days and that you're a nice brilliant musician and singer and uh, could he, he wants <laughs> I don't to know ask about you that. he wants to <clears throat> having teed you up now with a compliment uh, I think Miles fair to you Miles he wants to ask you will you ever see um, Kilkenny uh, a city again thank you Declan he's you know, I think this uh, suggesting that we've been downgraded here to, to I will never town. refer to Kilkenny as anything other than a city um, it's something that's always been uh, high on my agenda um, the only time I ever call Kilkenny a town is when we win the tidy towns Yeah. Uh, but well, as far right. as I'm concerned we're, we're a city um, albeit uh, a little bit dampened down by previous uh, governments and things like that um, but in the hearts and minds of everybody here we're a city uh, and it would be something that I would pursue absolutely Good. Um, just getting back to the, something related to the pandemic, and I suppose something that is apparently is going to go ahead, and you're going to have to. Well, you'll be you'll, you'll know that it's happening yourself. Um, this plan that's kind of a response in a way to facilitating public health requirements and social distancing, and yet helping uh, business get back on its feet in the middle of town. This plan to have a, a one-way system around um, around the town. It's been launched on uh, or starting up, I believe, on uh, next Monday week, the twenty-second. That's right, and I mean, these are, I suppose, difficult measures for many local businesses, um, but it's there, it's a temporary one-way system, I don't think that we should lose sight of the fact that it is temporary, um, it's specifically in response to uh, the pandemic, and it's in uh, response to having to provide uh, enough space for people to be able to properly socially distance themselves, um, everybody sees the queues outside shops, uh, Kilkenny doesn't, uh, with the medieval streetscapes and things like that, it doesn't lend itself to social distancing measures. When you, it's very difficult, you can't, it's impossible to, to maintain two metre distance from a queue outside a shop on Rosin Street, for example. Um, so with the one-way system, we will be taking advantage of the extra road space 
to allow pedestrians to be able to socially distance themselves mm. from one another uh, and hopefully that will encourage people into the, into the shops who are, by the way, in my view, doing a fantastic job in providing hand sanitizer, the perspex screens, and the limitations to the amount of people that can go inside their doors, gloves and everything. Um, we need to be able to respond to that and help local businesses to get back on their feet because mm. they've, they've suffered a huge blow. Mm. And just, I suppose, worth reminding uh, people what way that one-way system is going to work. Uh, well, uh, of course, you'll come down Rose Inn Street will be one way, high st- up High Street will be one way, uh, down Bateman Quay. Um, and it's some, uh, during the meetings with, for example, Traders and John Street and areas like that, they were worried that because of the direction of the traffic that it might discourage people from uh, going up their street. But hopefully it won't do that. Um, we will review it every week as we go along. Um, council engineers and staff have committed to us to stay in regular communication with all of the shop owners. If there are problems, they will be ironed out immediately. Uh, I have been assured that if it's a total disaster, it will be pulled immediately. Um, these these decisions, you know, we never envisaged that we would have to make these decisions in response to a pandemic. So not everything is going to be the right decision. And it's always possible to put your hands up and say well it's not working let's go back and change it and mm-hmm. that's the, that that's mm-hmm. what the case mm-hmm. is going to be so there'll be weekly weekly review as you say and uh, I, I think that was well, widely reported right that it was uh, traders in john street um now I, I always thought that actually there's not that you know there's yeah getting access in and out of john street was straightforward enough and that they're really apart from the, the kind of the late night stuff um revelry that goes on in john street of which people get in there by taxi and whatever other way they do um that john street typically isn't terribly busy street anyway but you know mm. maybe I'm, I'm missing missing the point we, we just have to be careful and mindful that you know it's people's livelihoods and we have to protect that uh, whatever street they're they're operating their business from uh, and any change to uh, the traffic flow could be detrimental and it's all new so we don't know what to expect so we have to watch it every day yeah yeah um there's another texter in saying that they walk early each morning uh, a little on the parade and uh, there's uh, bins that are pulled around by crows and um, the texter is wondering if bins can be put on that are in use in Kieran Street are cleaned very early in the mornings or late at night. That's yeah. I don't know how much the chairman of the council has uh, <laughs> influence over that. There's fantastic bins on on Kieran Street. I, I'm trying to remember the the name. There's a specific name of those bins. They're new, um, and they are working really really well. And it would be my view that they should be uh, those bins should be all over the city. Um, but Kieran Street, I think, was the first street that we put them on, um, and yeah. it was a trial. And I have to say they've been very successful. But I would also say that during uh, the, the the lockdown, if you like, um, you might not have had bins cleaned or emptied as regular as uh, they would have been because of, you know, people, we didn't have a, a full staff mm. out there doing it. Mm. Um, but you'll see big changes in that yeah. now over the coming weeks. Yeah, I hope that answers um, what the, the listener is querying about. Big Belly, um, I think is I, what they were called. Oh, Big Belly, yeah. Big I think belly I heard bins, that brand yeah. name already. Yeah, it sounds like anything that uh, keeps the, the city centre tidier uh, and tidy, uh, particularly out of ours, is a great thing as far as I'd be concerned. And obviously the, the listener is concerned about litter as well. I know at my pet um, initial, my first wish would be that uh, we'd be able to find the council be able to find some way of keeping the Dunmore Recycling Centre open all day Saturday 
because um, I've have regularly arrived down there or sometimes arrived at five past twelve and the gates are closed and yeah. with a carload of rubbish and have to turn around and go home with it, uh, much to my annoyance. But anyway, that would be my pet wish. So if that if that could be done, it'd be great. I'll, I'll try and yeah, deliver that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a million. I might hold you to that now <laughs> over, over the next while. I'm sure there are some issues involved in, in resolving that one. But anyway, I think personally, I think it'd be a great um, little bit of extra encouragement to people to uh, recycle whatever about the reducing and reusing part of um, being more sustainable. Um, let's move on a wee bit, Andrew, for the last uh, couple of minutes while we have you with uh, with us. Um, obviously, there's a lot, go- a huge amount of stuff you're going to have to get stuck into here um, over the next while. But uh, obviously, this is in a much broader national context and uh, three political parties, of which you're one, of course, Fianna Fáil. Um, your party leader is about to, prob- possibly, probably about to become Taoiseach. Um, how do you feel about that whole programme? You're saving government? the best to last. Yeah, how do you feel about that programme for government? Um, you're, you're obviously going to get a vote on... Uh, um, I think just like any other Fianna Fáil member, I presume that's the way it works with Fianna Fáil, um, yeah. that you'll get a vote on it. Um, will you be voting for it? Well, first of all, I only got the programme for government this morning, and it's I think it's 139 pages. I haven't read it all yet, and I, that's my reading material for this evening. So I, I know my dad is, is in Dublin at the moment. Um, I will read that later this evening, and I'll make, up, uh, make my own mind up on it. I haven't made my mind up on it yet. Um, I do think that... Uh, we absolutely need a government. I think that it's been farcical that we haven't had a government for so long. Um, in saying that, I put my hands up and said that a fantastic job has been done during the crisis, regardless of political differences. Um, I think everybody has stepped up to the plate. Uh, but later on, I'll make up my own mind on that and I will cast my vote. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Fianna Fáil will be sending out their ballot papers to all the voting members, uh, myself included, uh, over the next couple of days. Um, so it's it's a serious decision. Um, but I'm very disappointed with how long it has taken for us to get to this point. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, is it one of these things, though, that it's better to get it right than just get it done? And, you know, there's never going to be any perfect outcome, particularly um, with uh, three-way negotiations, but it, at least it's a deal, it's done. Yeah. And uh, it's up to party members now to express their opinions. Exactly, and there's a huge uh, membership, um, grassroots membership of Fianna Fáil, so it'll be very interesting to see mm-hmm. how that vote uh, is carried. Because I'm sure there's bound to be, like, there's, there's two aspects to that that I could definitely see for, for the likes of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, whatever about the Green Party, that there's the issue of, well, what's in it? what's in the programme for government itself, like what's it promising or what's it committing or intending or setting out as, as objectives. And the other is, is that that whole thing of like, do we really want to go into government with that other lot? Yeah, you know, that doesn't, that won't affect my opinion as much as things like raising, uh, you know, the, the the retirement age, for example. That's a big issue for people. Um, I wouldn't like to see that raised. Uh, and uh, we've gotten a lot of calls about that in our office. And there's so many issues in terms of housing, health, uh, the environment, carbon tax, all of those things. Uh, and as I said, I haven't read the programme yet and I'm going to do so this evening. But they're the issues that will, you know, help me to formulate an opinion on it. I won't be making a decision based on historical politics uh, or, you know, I don't like Fine Gael or I don't like the Greens or whatever. Um, I don't think that we're at a time when that should really come into it. It's about policy and it's about uh, what can be delivered for people. Mm. Yeah, that does seem to be, I was uh, things seem to be a lot 
kind of more cooperative and friendly at a local level from what I can see or have seen over the years uh, than, than may appear to be the case at, at national level. So hopefully it'll, it'll be a, I think we do, as I say, I certainly agree, I think we do need a government and uh, if this is um, the offer that's on the table, well then the party members will have their say and we'll get the yeah. results. The end of next week, I think, is the, the target, end, isn't the it? The end yeah. of next week, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. And of course, I'm sure you'll be looking at it with both your, your party members' um, hat and your kind of general interest in policy and then also from the perspective of being the new Cahirlach of the, the County Council and what it might imply for local government. And, uh, local Absolutely, I mean local government as far as I'm aware um, there's, a, there's a couple of pages and there's a good chunk in that about local government and I would feel very strongly about the powers of local government I think that they've been slowly stripped away um, over the years and I think they need to be reinstated and I'd like to I, I would hope that there's a big inclusion of that in the programme for mm -hmm. government. So, so that'll be part of your thinking or your examination now later on this evening uh, so we better let you get on home with uh, your, uh, to get, back, get back home to your, your family and uh, get on with whatever you need to do including that reading the programme for government so look it's been very generous of you to give us so much of your time Andrew and uh, lovely to talking to you and very best wishes to you for a successful um, uh, year as Cahirlick of Kilkenny County Council and we look forward to talking to you during the year and indeed having you, having you back maybe this time next year just to look back on it all and see how it all worked and out. Th thanks for having me and, and could I just say before I, I finish that sure. um, while I'm in this new position and uh, I'm very grateful to be given the opportunity um, our, my door in O'Loughlin Road is open all of the time I'll always be uh, contactable there and uh, I still will do my best to represent people that you know have my clinics whatever new way we have to do them but uh, my door will always be open Great, thanks a million Andrew, lovely talking to you as usual uh, we better take another ad break now and we'll be back with a very different uh, guest and that's uh, on the phone this time, not live Una Healy who's a graphic artist and an author and has put together a lovely book reflecting on her own experience and musings uh, graphically and verbally around the being confined to quarters during the pandemic, but do stay with us here in Kilkenny today, 086-353-7782 the text number, but we'll be back in a couple of minutes we are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to Kilkenny Today with Maurice O'Connor on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. And welcome back to Kilkenny Today. Delighted to be with you. And good morning to you if you're listening on the repeat. Lovely to be with you one way or the other. Anyway, Chair uh, Donovan, of course, will be after me and the Community Diary um, uh, or the station announcement, sorry, in the morning on the, after the repeat, it's at 10 o'clock in the morning, there'll be Jared Donovan on uh, Good Morning Kilkenny, but of course after myself, um, uh, the saving live to be the Angelus, of course, and then the Community Diary. And on into the evening, so do stay with us here on Community Radio Kilkenny City anyway, 88.7 FM and crkc.ie. Now, I have in my hand a, a lovely little book uh, just recently that arrived on my desk through the, through the post, which is called Fattening the Curves, um, a very good pun anyway, with a lovely kind of a... Like, like pink iced donut or a bagel picture on the front of it and the book describes itself as a visual socially distanced diary from the coronavirus COVID-19 days of 2020 and I'm thrilled to be joined on the phone by its uh, author and indeed illustrator graphic artist and designer Una Healy it's lovely to have you with us Una Hi, Maris, how are you? And thank you very much for um, supporting the St. Francis Hospice cause. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's really the, the, the essence and the whole purpose of uh, your whole purpose in putting together the book was really to provide uh, support to the St. Francis Hospice, um, which is, I'm not sure exactly where in Dublin it is, but it is in Dublin, isn't it? Yeah, there's one um, branch in Rohini and the other's in Blanchetown. That would be the newer 
Grand. newer building. Now, this wasn't something I, I, I suppose that just kind of occurred to you entirely by yourself. It came about by uh, a catalyst. I suppose the catalyst was none other than our well-known and brilliant actor Brendan Gleeson. That's true, indeed. Yes, and um, I had heard him on the radio talking to Joe Duffy, and he was saying he's an ambassador for the hospice and he does great work for them. But he was saying how uh, devastated the fundraising events were because of the coronavirus and um, things like the mini marathon, which would always bring in a lot of funding for the hospice. Just it, they were, it wasn't going to happen and that they were looking for people to donate. And I thought, well, do you know, I'd, I'd send them on some money. But then because of different things that had happened, I had to come up with a, a, a different idea altogether. And I suppose that's where the uh, Corona diary came in, the, the coronavirus diary idea came about. Um, I had been at home and in early March I became unwell and with flu-like symptoms, sore throat, cough, usual things and on my doctor's advice she suggested that I get tested for the coronavirus and um, to quarantine for two weeks. So two weeks is a long time when you're you're stuck in a room really doing nothing and my way of alleviating the boredom was to start drawing and doing little illustrations and as I got better um, the things that happened during the day I started to illustrate I sent them out to family and friends who then sent them on through good old WhatsApp to their family and friends and this became a daily occurrence whereby 3 o'clock if I hadn't actually sent out one of the illustrations people were coming back and going are you doing anything today oh, about that? God, you were getting yourself so, into trouble there, weren't you? I certainly was. Terrible peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, was, uh, yeah, so uh, having listened to Brent, oh, a few people had said to me, oh, you should really put a book together of these. And I thought, no, absolutely not. I've no intention of it. But it was listening to the interview and I thought, well, I wonder if I actually did put a book together. Um, and I have my, my whole background is graphic design and branding. Mm. So I, I knew how to put a book together. Um, and I started to look into it. And in order to commercially sell a book, you need an ISB number or a barcode. But to apply for one of those, you have to be a publisher. So an hour after the live line show, I had registered as a publisher and got my barcode for the book. Gosh, you were quick off the mark, yeah. Well, strike while the iron is hot. I, and can I... Can I just yeah. step, step you back a little bit, Una, because you, you, you started talking about your two weeks uh, recommended isolation from your GP. Oh, yeah. But the obvious question is, um, were you, were, did, you were, did you get a positive or a negative result from the test? Negative, thank goodness. Oh, right, so you're um, lucky. It was, yeah. yeah, no, it, it, was, it was fine. Um, but I suppose the doctor was being cautious sending me to, to get the test. Um, so, um, no, I, I, was, I was glad that that was mm. the result. I had to I ask you that because um, for, for listeners, uh, for the benefit of listeners, um, the very first uh, illustration in, in Una's lovely book, Fattening the Curves, day one is entitled Sore Throat, Temperature, Headache, Cough, Aches and Pains. Um, now, that might be a lot of people out of a lot of those symptoms for other things, um, uh, in generally speaking, but uh, nowadays everybody starts thinking coronavirus. So anyway, you, you, weren't, yes. you weren't one of the, uh, the unfortunate ones to, to, mm. to be infected. No, thank um, goodness, yeah. By the looks of the little drawings, well, you weren't enjoying the symptoms, though, at the same time. <laughs> no, no, that's true. Um, I'm, I'm very rarely sick. I'm lucky I'm very rarely sick, and I'm not a good patient. So, yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and before we go on and just kind of talk some more about the book itself, then Una, uh, we better tell listeners where they can get hold of it. We, we just mentioned it's, it's a fundraiser and all the proceeds, I think you said, are going towards the St. Francis Hospice. So how can they get hold of the book? That's right. Well, there's uh, several ways at the moment. There's the online shop on the St. Francis Hospice website, which is sfh.ie. It's also available um, on eason.ie. It's in, available in some Tesco outlets. And if you're a small independent bookshop owner, you can actually order the book through Argosy. Okay, um, so maybe uh, we have a lovely bookshop down here in Kilkenny, the book centre in, in the centre of the city. Um, they might be somebody who'd, uh, who'd, uh, who'd they, love to that have would a book be, like that. That would be wonderful, or absolutely indeed, wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah Dubray Books in, um, as well, also around, around town. Uh, unfortunately, bookshops... Um, have aren't as many around town as they used to be, as you know. There's probably been. But a you know, I books. have to say, the, the independent bookshops played a great role during this whole lockdown because they supplied us all with our books, mm. and um, you know, which was crucial when when we couldn't. You know, and it's nice to support the local bookshops. Um, and um, in fact, I got <laughs> one of the pictures in the uh, the book itself is one of Miss Nugent's, her latest book, Our Little Cruelties, which is, uh, I think it's that number one bestseller now. Um, I had been reading that and stayed up during the evening. The wine was untouched. It's a great book. And um, Liz Nugent's on Twitter, and so am I. So I had the picture done, and I tweeted it to Liz, and she retweeted it to her followers and then very kindly wrote a recommendation She's got a lovely endorsement for you saying that she catalogued the highs and lows of the pandemic with super skill and great humour and it's a wonderful collection of cartoons that belongs on every shelf lest we forget the madness of these times. So yeah, great yeah. endorsement. Oh, and indeed great. she mentioned St. Francis Hospice as well. So lovely to get yes. that back from Liz, of course. Absolutely um, lovely, yes. And I suppose yeah. she hit the nail on the head when she said, mm. you know, that lest we forget the madness of these times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and... Uh, I suppose the the whole feeling in the book is that, like all of the, the mad things we did or, or didn't do and the highs and the lows, um, mm. and, and they seem to be striking a chord with a lot of people who are buying the book. Mm. Are they, yeah, and how are sales going anyway? Have you, are you getting much feedback well, on that? Yeah, we're, we're on the second reprint. Oh, excellent. Um, so that's really good news. Um, they're moving very, very well, um, and the fact that there are now more outlets is even better. Um, and the book is ten euro, so you know it's it's not a huge amount of money. And the fact that it really is a hundred percent going to the hospice is just a win-win. Yeah, yeah. And like I suppose as you mentioned yourself there so being so quick off the mark after having talking to that other presenter on that other radio station. Um oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We won't mention names. No, I won't mention his name again, but I think everybody knows who no. we're talking about. Um yeah. like within an hour you had registered yourself obviously as a self publisher and got an ISBN number for the book. Um there must be a bit of risk involved in jumping into that whole world of self publishing because you're really carrying the can for the whole the whole thing, are you? In, in terms am, of the commercial I mean, risk around it. Well, there's only one book in my publishing company, so this really was a means to an end. I won't be publishing more books. This really, you know, self-publishing is a, you're absolutely right. You're mm. taking a lot of risk on. I suppose I didn't have the cost because I had done the, I'd written it, done the illustrations and done the design. Yeah. So there's no cost at all involved there. Did you get However, a good deal from a printer? Well, we had an amazing printer, um, John McMahon from Baldoy Print. Um, I approached him and I said, look, you know, if you can help at all, great. And if not, 
a lot of people. He does a lot of work for charities, and he's he's just he's a really generous man. And um, but he blew us away. He came back and he did the did the he's done the two prints, um, done the two re, sorry reprints, um, for cost, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So all everything else was free. Um, and again, all the proceeds going to the hospice. Mm-hmm. It's lovely, um, and like, you know, just the, the the other aspect of it that I'm fascinated by, and I'm absolutely as never any good at art and absolutely useless of it, but I can appreciate um, the scale and the, the 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 craft and the 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 process that goes into it. How how is it that you do, you do all these? What's your your process for doing all these drawings? Um, how well, firstly, how do you do them? Where do you get the ideas? How does that all work for you? Are you very are you a very kind of diligent, disciplined person, or is it just you just wait till you get that spark and then you've done it in ten minutes after that? Um, it's a bit of both, <laughs> I suppose. And also, I have to disagree with you. Everybody can draw, Morris. <laughs> you just haven't tapped into it yet. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't but, know. Um, but I suppose I, I drew from when I was very young. And um, it, it, it's something that I always do uh, that I find that great comfort in. So I suppose in this case, it was like it started with boredom um, because I really was bored um, and fed of being sick. And uh, I just started doodling first and did a sketch and then I developed it further. Um, but actually, as the days went on, the drawings got more detailed and the subject matter um, was drawn from whatever had happened or struck me that day. Mm. So um, actually, by the time I approached the hospice with the book idea, um, I had three weeks done and the Canaan, who's head of fundraising there in the hospice, said okay so we'll do one more week and she said I can't wait to see those drawings what do you think they'll be and I thought well I don't know because nothing's happened we we better not um, tell the listeners too much about it for a number of reasons one of which is we're running out of time I'd love to be talking to you for another half an hour so it's a 28 day journey on your own reflection in graphics and words through um, through your kind of your experience of well 28 days of the coronavirus restrictions that's beautifully done and obviously as, as we mentioned a fundraiser for St Francis Hospice yeah. uh, and a great lovely idea and congratulations to you on doing that and sure who knows where your dip into the world of publishing um, will, t- will take you <laughs> from knows? here on who knows Mars and thank you very much um, for publicising the book you've been very kind you're very welcome lovely talking to you and a take care bye now thank you bye 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 and that was Una Healy, who, as I mentioned, is an author, a, a graphic designer. UnaHealyDesign.com, if you want to see what she does in her day job. Um, that's all we have time for. You can get that book, by the way, Fattening the Curves, on sfh.ie, St. Francis Hospice. And if you are near a Tesco's, I think you can also get it there. Um, that's all we have time for, unfortunately. Um, thanks a million to Anne Nolan, as usual, for helping me put the show together, and indeed to Andrew McGuinness for giving us so much of his time. I'll hopefully be back with you on Friday. Do stay with us here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.